Hey everybody and welcome to the Furnace Podcast. You are about to listen to a recording from our Behold Conference hosted here in Tauranga, New Zealand with the heart to call the body of Christ to give Jesus our undivided attention so that we can understand what is His heart for the time of history that we're in. We hope that you enjoy. Yeah, let me pray for you before you share with us this morning. Father, we thank you for what you're doing already in this room. We just position our hearts to hear from Ryan this morning. God, would you speak to him, speak to him and speak through him to us this morning. We just position our hearts to receive. We love you, Lord. Amen. Awesome. Um, It's always fun when a worship leader has to speak. (laughs) Uh, So Colossians 1, if you have your Bibles, go there. Um, I've just been struck. I keep coming back to the beauty of Jesus. And even you were saying, Jesus, Jesus. We just kept singing that name above all names. And I think we, sometimes we, we just say he's beautiful and he's good. And we kind of, you know, even we sing his name so much that we can sometimes lose the power of who he is. And we're like not even connected to it in our hearts. And uh, I want to just reconnect my heart to it and, and, and your hearts through the word of God here in Colossians Uh, Colossians 1, verse 15. Actually, uh, let's go a little bit higher than that. Let's go to 12. Uh, Giving thanks to the Father who qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. Another, another verse says the imprint, another uh, version says the exact imprint of his nature. The firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things, all things were created through him. All things were created through him and for him. Verse 17, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This is just mind-boggling. <laughs> Are we getting how big he is? <laughs> how beautiful and glorious he is? All things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead. Or the, another way of saying that, first fruits of the resurrection. That in everything, in everything, he might be preeminent. Verse 19, for in him, preeminent is just a word that means first place, above all. If you're like, what does that mean? Verse 19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. There's a lot of all in there, right? (laughs) Everything, all things. 
whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Wow. This is who we were singing about for the last hour. This is who we get to sing about forever. We get to worship and enjoy forever. We were singing that last night. This is the one that says here, he, he made all things. He was before all things. He was the beginning, right there at the beginning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus was there. All things were made through Jesus. God spoke word, the word of God from the beginning, John 1. Spoke in all things. Again, all things. <laughs> Everything. Everything, says, is held together in him. That means the breath that you're breathing right now is only happening because he wills it. You woke up this morning, the cells in your body stayed together in place <laughs> because he willed it. This entire solar system, everything that God put, finely tuned by Yahweh, is in place and is not going chaotic and we're not flying off the planet because God wills it. Jesus wills it. Do we get, are we starting to grasp? I want us to grasp the greatness, the greatness of Jesus, how big and how awesome he is and how powerful he is. But what I love about this verse is I love the big and huge. You're just like, oh, I'm in awe and wonder of God. And then all of a sudden it goes, comes close. He reconciles all things together. Again, all things. By the blood of his cross. Wait a second. I thought he was great. Why is there blood? <laughs> I thought he was the one who created everything. Why is, why is his blood on the line? He's so big and he's so close. He's so majestic and he's so near. He's so unapproachable to our minds when we think about someone that grand. I mean, think about the greatest leader in the world right now. How, easily, how easy would it be for you to access that leader? How easy would it be for you to access, I forget who the leader is in this nation right now, sorry. Your prime minister. I'll let you fill in the blank. <laughs> How easy would it be to access, you know, for us in America, uh, I'm blanking on my own president, sorry. <laughs> How easy would it be for me to access my president? Pretty slim to none. Even like not even political figures, business people, CEOs. How easy is it for you to access those people? Could any of you get on the phone and call Elon Musk? Probably not. Maybe some of you actually could. <laughs> I don't know who's in the room. <laughs> but it's not that attainable for us to access. We got a God who's bigger than all of those people, Jesus, a person who's bigger than all of those people, and yet we have access to him by his blood. We are reconciled to Jesus. I want us to just sit and just go, oh, how beautiful is our God. How beautiful is Jesus. How majestic, how grand, how close, how kind. This is the one, the one that 
I love, I love in a, it says when he, this, the, the, the story where he's washing his disciples' feet. We all love that story, right? Got dirty feet, go to Jesus, right? We were singing All Hail King Jesus last night. We were singing You Reign this morning, you know, like, this is all like, he's on a throne. But then this is a king who goes, it says in that verse, it says, knowing who he was, knowing where he came from, knowing that what was about to happen to him, the cross, knowing that he was going back to his father, that he's thinking about those things. And when he was thinking about those things, he got down on his knee. And he, get, he began to wash his disciples' feet. This is our beautiful Jesus. This is the one that we get to worship. This is the one that we get to love and cherish and that just desires you beyond what you can imagine. Knowing everything about you, all the good, the bad, the ugly, the, you know, what you look like when you wake up first thing in the morning. <laughs> You know, when you go take a photo of something and you realize that's on you and you're like, oh, that fit. You're like, I look like that. <laughs> Anyone done that before like me? I'm like, oh, I didn't know I looked that old. <laughs> I still think I'm like in my 30s. I'm like, oh. He knows all that and he goes, I love you. I desire you. I delight in you. He knows your inner thoughts. I delight in you. I cherish you. I love you. I gave my blood for you. This is the one who washed his disciples' feet, that one that we just talked about in Colossians 1. He's the one who, <laughs> who got on the ground with the woman that was caught in adultery, and he wrote something. We don't know what he wrote, but he wrote something in the, in the sand, in the dirt, and he says, neither do I condemn you. This is Jesus. This is the beautiful God we have. Philippians 2 said he was obedient to his Father, even to the point of death. Not only did he draw near and take on our frame forever, still in his human body right now, glorified, but still a human body. Not only did he do that, but he actually laid his life down. He gave blood for us. He gave blood so that we might be brought close to him. The cross. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says that you, me, we were the joy that was set before him when he endured the cross. That every every. Everything that he went through, every pain that he experienced, every beating, the, the flesh ripped off of his body, him carrying that cross, him being nailed to it, every pound of that hammer to the nail through his skin, through his body, being hoisted up, all of that, his eyes were fixed on you. Jesus is beautiful. He is so beautiful. How? How do we get to be with him? And we were made for him. Colossians said that. Through him and for him. To behold his beauty. To behold this beautiful one that we just talked about. Um, I remember in the 90s. I'm from the, I grew up in the 90s. Anyone else in that era? Okay. I remember when MTV wasn't like a reality show. You get probably, do you guys have MTV out here? Okay. There was music television. It was like all music videos. But then all of a sudden, like, uh, the real world came out. <laughs> and it was like reality TV. 
And then, uh, and then, we, and then after that, there was they all they had all these spinoffs, these ideas of like re reality TV shows. But MTV started the whole reality thing. Anyway, so I I remember watching this one show called Fanatics. Anyone remember that one? Okay, it was really weird. It prob I think it was short-lived. It didn't last more than one season. <laughs> but they were following people, and they were like, these are people that are fanatics about some artist. Okay, and they had one guy that was like just loved Michael Jackson, <laughs> like thought he was it, you know, he was the guy, everything he did, he worshiped the ground he walked on. So they literally are like in his apartment, he wakes up, he brushes his teeth, he's listening to Michael Jackson, his alarm that went off was like a Michael Jackson alarm clock, his room's like a throne to Michael Jackson, right? He's brushing his teeth, he's talking about like, I just, I hate my job, but I'm just doing this so I can go on tour with Michael Jackson on his next tour. I wanna like be a, a roadie or no, just like someone that just follows them. I'm not sure what you call that, groupie? I don't know. But you just follow the band wherever they go, town to town, right? And his whole life is oriented around Michael Jackson. It's kind of weird, right? But I, at the point of that is, when I watched that, I remember going, this is wild. And then I started thinking about my life and about other people's lives. And I'm like, actually, we all do that in some ways. We all worship something. We all worship something. We assign worth to something, and then we go, we're going to give everything we have for that thing. And so for some people, it's, it might be your career. It might be a person. It might be Taylor Swift. I don't know. Like, but you put, some, you put everything into one basket, and you're like, I'm going to go all in on this. And hopefully for us, it's the one we just talked about, Jesus, not Michael Jackson, Jesus. <laughs> hopefully for us, it's Jesus the one that's so beautiful that everything else pales in comparison to him. But that made me realize we are all made to worship, which another way of saying that is that we are all priests. You're like, I'm a priest? Yes, we are all priests. I'm a priest. You're a priest. The person sitting next to you on both sides and behind you and in front of you, each of us are priests. And actually, I, I want to be bold enough to say Adam was the first priest. And you're like, why? And I'll just share why. <laughs> Let me be mindful of my time here. Adam was the first priest. In Genesis 4, if you have your Bibles, you can go there. Genesis 4, we see. The first murder. Pretty gnarly. Adam knew his wife. She conceived and bore Cain, <clears throat> saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Verse 4, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. And then we all know the rest of the story. Cain gets mad, and what's he do? He kills his brother. Now, you're like, why are you talking about this, Ryan? Well, number one, where did these boys learn that they need to bring an offering to God? Who taught them that? Adam, their dad. It's obviously not written right here in the scriptures, but it's assumed a lot of scholars agree and, and, and 
our common sense and our, our logical thinking would deduce that if these boys thought, I have to bring a sacrifice to the Lord, an offering to the Lord, that it wasn't just something that just did on their own. Their father, Adam, actually showed them how to do it and told them the right way to do it. And then, there's, so that's one thing. Number one, it's pointing to the fact that Adam was a priest. You know, both these boys were priests. Actually, Israel as a nation in Exodus 19.6, it says that you are a nation, a kingdom of priests. This is before the Levites even were established as a priest of the land. And they had Levites that were priests that would minister to the Lord and minister to the people. And that was their full-time occupation. And God was their, was their uh, inheritance. They didn't get land. They got God. That's pretty cool, right? But then God said before that, actually, all of you are priests, Israel. Every one of you is a priest. Okay? The New Testament says the same thing about us. We're a kingdom of priests to our God and our Father. Right? So if we're priests, we are made to bring a sacrifice to the Lord. And what we see here, number first, we see that they're, they're bringing sacrifices. They were learning that from somebody. It was their dad probably that showed them how to do that. Scholars agree on that. And it's a logical conclusion to come to that. But the second part of that is God has a preference Did God like the first sacrifice that was brought? Cain's sacrifice, when he brought the sacrifice from the land, it said God had no regard for it. Abel brought his. He brought the fat. He brought the animal, the portions of the fat, gave it to the Lord, right? And did God have regard for that one? Yes. And I feel like in the church right now, where we are, I'm just going to be bold <laughs> and say this. There is a Abel and there is a Cain worship. There is a worship that satisfies our hearts and that we bring and that we're going, hey, I'm doing it the way I want to do it. I'm not going to follow the prescribed way that Yahweh has given me to worship. I'm going to do it my way, and I'm wondering if God has no regard for it. And then we have Abel Spirit and truth worship, where they come in, and they go, I can give a flip about what I want. I can give a flip about what the people in the room want. I'm giving you my sacrifice, Jesus. I'm setting my eyes on you, and I'm going to give you what you have prescribed from the scriptures. I'm going to bring it to you, God. I'm going to give it to you, and I guarantee you, God has regard for that worship. That sounds heavy, <laughs> but I'm just being real. There is, a, there is a, a split happening where we're going, and in many churches, I'm not, I'm not dogging it. Hopefully, if you're in this room and you're like, we do that, don't, I'm not like beating you over the head. I'm, I'm not coming at you. I'm just saying if we go into churches and we just take the concert model from Saturday night or the bar model from the bar singer and we bring that into the church and we go, this is worship, guys, that's not worship. If we're relying on lights, sound, and all this stuff for worship, that's not worship. That's not musical worship to the Lord. It's hearts that are given to him. It's people singing. If we're in the room and everyone's just kind of sitting there and just watching and just taking it in, not really singing at all. Guys, we are actually called to sing. The most, I'm going to go back to this. Sorry, I'm getting too <laughs> riled up. God has a prescribed way, a preference, and how he wants to be worshipped. My wife, 
has a prescribed way and how she wants me to love her. <laughs> how many of you know when you're in covenant with somebody, you should know how they want to be loved? <laughs> we were talking about that last night, Josh. <laughs> Josh got married. got to go to his, his wedding in, uh, in Penang. It was in Penang, right? Yeah. <laughs> My brain, it was before COVID, right? It was before COVID. Yeah, yeah. So over, I was like, how's Ben? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm being sanctified. And, <laughs> and he's like, and then we're talking about like, you know, we, our love languages and, you know, how we respond, what we, you know, how we receive love is usually how we give love, right? Well, God has a love language and he gives it to us throughout the scriptures, all throughout the Psalms, all throughout the Bible, the most common way he wants to be worshipped, the most, I'll just say it, one of the greatest commands in the Bible is to sing. I'm just going to highlight one. There is clapping, there is dancing, there is shouts of praise, but the biggest one is singing. Outside of fear the Lord, or fear not, which is usually an angel showing up and scaring somebody, and that's why there's so many fear nots in the Bible. <laughs> but outside of that, sing is the number one command in the Bible. And yet so many, of us, so many churches are filled with people just watching a concert on stage and we're just cool with like doing a radio edit of a song and moving on. And we think of it as a placeholder or just a way to get people in the doors. And y'all, we get, the, <laughs> this is the God we were just talking about. Jesus, the one who is before all things, all things were made through him and for him. All things hold together. You woke up that morning and walked into church. You woke up that morning and went to the prayer meeting only because he willed it. It's only because he allowed it. <laughs> and we're coming in and go like, yeah, it's a concert. It's cool. I love that. You know, how was worship today? That was all right. Worship team wasn't great. Or, you know, this morning it was lit. Um, but, you know, we kind of like, we, we grade worship. It's like, oh, it's all right. No, it's good. I didn't like the songs. It's like. It's not for us. <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? We're coming in and we're grading it. And God's going, I, the better question is, did you worship today? You see your brother, your sister? Did you give God your offering? Did you bring a sacrifice today? Did you come in and, yeah, you, you had a fight with your spouse. Maybe your kids were screaming. You walked in. You barely walked in the door. Did you walk in and go, oh, I love you, God. I'm singing to you. I don't feel it this morning. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to sing to you because that's what you wrote in the scriptures. Are we doing that as a church or are we going, let's just, let's just do it. Let's just do what the culture's always done. Let's copy what the culture's done and bring it to the church and call it worship. I want to, I, I'm calling the church in this hour. Let's come back. And I believe the Lord is doing it. He's calling the church back to the heart. I'm not even saying the heart of worship anymore because it's kind of lost its power. The heart of David. Where we come and we are. He was a king. He was a shepherd keeping the sheep. He was a king. But guess what? When he, when he grabbed the Ark of the Covenant and he came into town, he took off his, his kingly robe. He put on a priestly garment, the linen ephod, and he danced. And it wasn't, his wife didn't get mad at him. His wife wasn't mad at, at David because he exposed himself. Like we always think he was naked. It's because he was, took off his kingly robes and he was wearing un, what that would be like underwear. It looked like underwear. A linen ephod. And he was dancing wildly before the Lord. Right? And she goes, good job, David. You, you were really, really looking good today. You took off your kingly robe. You looked really majestic out there dancing like a, like a goofball. 
and your, and your priestly garment. And he goes, guess what, my sweet wife? <laughs> he goes, I know what Yahweh wants. And he wants me to bring my sacrifice. And so David danced with all his might in his priestly garment. He wasn't a priest. But he goes, I am a priest. <laughs> he goes, we're all priests. And we're all going to bring our sacrifice to the Lord. And so I'm just believing right now the Lord's calling us back to the heart of David as a church. Going, I'm going to lay down the culture like what culture says worship is, even Christian culture, what we've adopted from the, from the West, you know, from the West or East or whatever, we're laying it down and we're going, God, we want to come into your house and we want to bring you our sacrifice of praise, which is our, our song. He's restoring our voice as a church. Part of the reason we've lost our voice in the culture is I think we've lost our voice singing to him. We've stopped ministering to God. You remember when the church was like leading culture and now we're like behind sometimes, right? We stopped singing. We started going to concerts on Sunday mornings. We, start, we started caring about, you know, we worship worship. <laughs> like It's like, oh, we really like that artist or that song or we like when this person leads worship. Who cares? Are you giving God your sacrifice? Are you coming in and lifting it up to the Lord? This is what he's after. And the reason why he wants your song, I'm telling you. Sometimes people are like, why, 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 are you, why does he want us to sing? It's connected. It's like got strings all attached to your heart. Because <laughs> that's what he's really after. He's, he's, he, yeah, he likes music around his throne right now. It's, there's nonstop singing. And it's just unceasing, right? But what he's after is your heart. And guess what? When you sing, you give him your heart. When you sing, it pulls on your heart towards him. It's almost impossible to sing to him and not feel something. <laughs> Anyone else walk into a, a, a place and you actually sing, and all of a sudden you're like, you walked in just heavy, oh, I just don't feel good today, oh, so many things going on. You come in and you're like, I don't even want to be here. You're obedient, you sing to God, you give him your sacrifice of praise, and you feel, you feel the presence of God. You feel filled. That's because he actually designed it that way. Ephesians says, be filled with the Spirit, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another in community. So when we sing, it actually is connected to our hearts. He fills us, and we actually give him his heart, our hearts to him. That's really what he's after. He's after your heart. Another crazy quote. I don't remember who it's by, but it says, don't give me or say, give me the songs of a nation, and I don't care who make its laws. It's touching on the heart song thing. Give me the songs of a nation, and I don't care who makes its laws. And you're like, what does that mean? He's saying, whoever wrote that quote, <laughs> some old dude from a long time ago. He's saying, I can change a nation through music because it touches the heart. A law will never change a human's heart. I can, I can disciple a nation. I can change a nation if I have their songs because I'm going to be in their hearts singing. They're going to sing stuff. It's going to change who they are, okay? Laws will never change a human being, but songs will. When you actually lift your voice, there's a shift and a change. You give them your heart, and it shifts something inside of you. So it's really important. <laughs> it's really important. For us, when we come together, to give God what he wants. 
his preferred way of being loved. God has a preference. And we need to bring that to him when we join together. Bring him your praise, whether you feel it or not. Come, when he comes near, he's enthroned in our praises. And when he comes into the room, our perspective shifts. And the biggest thing is we get to give him the glory when he does. When he comes close, we get to give him what he deserves. How are we on time? Bank, could I uh, have Will, maybe Wills and, and Steve, can you guys come up? You don't need the whole band. I just want to respond to the Lord. So, Lord, here we are. We just thank you, Lord, that you have a preferred way, that you've laid it out for us. You've made it so simple. <laughs> you said, this is what I'm after. It's your heart. It's your song. And so, Lord, we want to respond well to you. We want to say yes to you right now. And so if you're here and you're just like, I've, maybe that touched your heart, or you just feel like I need to say yes again to even just singing to the Lord. I mean, for me personally, there was a season where I was just not singing to the Lord. And I was singing professionally or, you know, vocationally. I was on stage singing 12 hours a week. But off stage, I wasn't singing. And the Lord convicted me. I remember I was like, there was a season where I was like, God, I'm not feeling anything. I'm, I'm dull. Like, what's going on? And God said, Ryan, you're not singing. And I'm like, what are you talking about, God? Like, I'm singing 12 hours a week. I'm singing more than the average human being does. My voice is tired. <laughs> You want me to sing more? And God's like, yeah, you're only singing on a stage. He's like, are you singing in your room? And I, I, at the time, I, was, I would come into church, and I would just like, I wouldn't even sing at church. I would just get my Bible. I would read. I would like, you know, all good things, right? I would set my eyes on him, but I, wouldn't, I was not singing because I got to save my voice. You know, I got to, yeah, I was being like kind of prima donna singer. And I was like, I wasn't singing. And the Lord put his finger on it. And he goes, Ryan, you're not singing to me. And I was like, okay, God. Okay, I'll start singing. And I started singing to the Lord. I started singing at home. I started singing in the shower again. <laughs> started singing in the car. I would go into church early, make sure I was there for worship. I would sing. I would lift up my voice, whatever's happening on stage. I will just join in. I don't care if I like the song. I said, I'm singing. I don't care who was leading worship. I'm singing. I'm not going to judge it. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to be obedient to what God said. And then later I found out, oh, yeah, it's like the most commanded thing in the scripture. <laughs> this is why you put your finger on it, Lord. And uh, so I started doing that. And, and within a month, it was like, <sighs> like I remember reading. There was one night where I was reading the Bible. And I just, I was just filled with the gift of tears again. Like I started weeping over the word of God. All of a sudden, it was like a flood of his presence filled my heart. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is it. I need to be singing to you. I need to be bringing you my sacrifice. I need to be loving you, giving you what you deserve and what you really want, which is my heart through song. So if that's you, if you're like, I need to, I need to just sign up for singing again. <laughs> I know it sounds weird, like an altar call for singing. <laughs> 
I don't care if you're a singer or not. You're like, I don't like, I, I make a joyful noise. Great, make a joyful noise. It's okay. Like, sing to the Lord. Give him your song. And if that's you, if you're like, I need to do that, just put your hands out like this. Like, I wanna, I'm signing up again today to sing to the Lord. I'm signing up again to say yes to this simple thing of coming into his presence and giving him what he deserves. So we just say yes right now, Lord. We say yes right now. Just stay right here. Lord, meet our yes, meet our, our response, Lord, with your grace right now. Lord, I ask, Lord, for hearts that have felt dry. Maybe there's been a, a season, like just even what I shared, like you felt like you're in a drought season, like just, oh, I feel like I'm doing everything right and I'm not feeling anything. God, I ask for the floods of your rain, the rains of refreshing to come. Let the rains of refreshing come as we sing to you, God. As we say yes, Lord, would you meet us? Would you meet us?